Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, November 8, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we're going to do is take a look at the daily chart, see what's jumping off the page at us. And then we're going to begin to build a case later in the video why we may be in store for a turn in this market, whether it be on a short term or longer basis remains to be seen. I'm going to build the case why we're there sooner than later. Of course, the market feels like it's going to continue going up forever. It always feels like that as it's going up, but we all know that it doesn't go up forever. We do run out of gas. What's jumping off the page on the daily chart is A, we're a little bit far from home base. The market never likes to get too far from home base. Home base is the 20 period moving average. On this chart, it's the red sloping trend line. What happens next, generally speaking, is, and we don't know exactly what day or how much in any given time frame. However, what happens from here is the market will either pull back toward home base or it will run sideways, allowing home base over time to creep up toward price. Either way, what that does is alleviates the situation of being too far away from home base. Today, things are different, but back in the Stone Ages, when kids rode their bike around town, they never got too far from home base. Why? They had to be home for dinner or when it got dark out, and therefore, they never got too far from home or home base. Taking a look at the weekly chart, what we'll also notice is we're getting into that zone where the weekly chart is coming into the zone, maybe within this week, maybe in the next week, where the weekly chart begins to get into that zone where it's on time. Just store that information away. We'll circle back to that in another way later. As we move forward, we're going to look at some other charts. Let's see if we see anything different on some of the other charts that we look at that's different on the weekly from the daily. For example, we could classify this candle, which occurred on Friday, as a breakdown candle. It remains the current high of the market. And while we're at new highs, we know that the trend is the dominant thing. Therefore, if they're up testing the former highs, A, maybe the market gets rejected, but B, there's no reason to believe that it can't make another new high. But we take the market and each chart at face value, and on this chart, we have a breakdown candle. The high happens to be the all-time high, but it is a breakdown candle. On the 120-minute chart, we have much of the same information, and you can see here, it's a little more clear, they ran a test already of the breakdown candle high. When did they do that? They did that today, early on this morning. Now, here's the way we look at this chart. Maybe they're eating time off the clock near the high of that candle to make another move higher, another push to new highs. We should know that sooner than later. We should know that basically on Tuesday. And if they make a new high, that's fine. I'm getting somewhere into midweek. There's a method to the madness. Stay tuned. Hourly chart, same routine as the 120-minute chart. No new information. So here's the way we have to look at this. The trend is your friend until it's over. So the trend right now, obviously, is the dominant thing. Now we're back to the daily chart. The market 
has been up a lot since the lows. And there's really a couple of lows. There's a low down here, and then there's another low here. Well, if you look closely and you think back to what's taught in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, and we discuss in the sections that time is more important than price, you'll realize that the market is coming into a zone where it will soon be on time. Now, I have a small bucket full of additional reasons why around midweek is a pretty good reason for that turning point. Again, could be just for a day or two, could be for longer than that. We don't know until we know, but first we have to find a reason. And I don't need a price as a reason when the market's at new highs, because there is no price. We don't know exactly where the market might stop when it's at new highs, but we can revert back to time. Time is more important than price. I'm hanging my hat on time. Let's just say we're getting into the wheelhouse. The next question would be, well, how much can the market pull back? Is it going to pull back a lot or is it going to pull back a little? And the answer is, we don't know if it's going to pull back a lot. The first order of business is to pay a visit back to this breakout area from before, right around that 454 area, give or take. There's a 20-period moving average in that zone. Now, that's not necessarily close to current price, but that could happen quickly, but that doesn't also mean that they have to go back there. What about these one- or two-day pullbacks that we've seen before? Here's one, two days. Here's a four-day. doesn't have to be a lot. could be just like this, and then the market goes and makes new highs again. So we don't know until we know. What I'm saying is I'm looking for step one. What about inside the numbers? What happened over there today? We're going to take a look at the commentary, see what's what over there. Then we're going to circle back to stocks on the move. We'll take a look at the good, the bad, and the fugly. Monday morning, they're floating around the big fat round numbers, eating time off the clock. What are the big fat round numbers? Right now, they're 4,700 in the ES. They're 470 in the SPY. Somewhere in the neighborhood, continue to act as magnets so the market likes to hang around slightly above, slightly below, hanging around the big fat round numbers. Early on, and this is big picture stuff because the market hasn't opened yet, so we're looking at things from a 5,000-foot view perspective. 466.86 was an interesting spot. It's a gap left open from last Thursday. It was missed by pennies on Friday. If they were going to come down, that would be some unfinished business that they had to take care of. However, it wouldn't necessarily be the same as it would have been last week. We identified a spot, 465.70. That's a better spot. They never went down there. I'm just showing you what we were looking at in the pre-market just in case they went lower. By 9 o'clock, price was rising. They were around the big fat round numbers. Fair enough. We're going to let them go at the opening bell anyway. See what storyline develops. 9.07. I added Tesla on the board. A, I knew it was moving in the pre-market. I was a little reluctant to add Tesla on the board because it's a difficult stock to trade. It's very expensive. Obviously, you can take a smaller amount of shares, and you should, but it moves a lot of points, and it scares traders away before the thing turns around. They get scared out of it sometimes. So sometimes I'm reluctant to put it on the board, but here's a disclaimer this morning. It's on the board. Traders should understand it's higher risk and can move a lot of points in a short period of time. It's an aggressive trade, so therefore, that's the type of trader that would take that trade. You do it with smaller amount of shares, and it's not for everyone. So that was my thing on Tesla. 
But what happens is, when I leave something like that off the board and everybody under the sun knows it's moving in the pre-market, I get a litany of emails saying, hey, what about Tesla? What are the numbers on Tesla? Why isn't Tesla on the board? Did you see Tesla? Tesla's moving in the pre-market. Of course, I saw it. So everybody thinks Tesla's going to collapse. Elon Musk is selling 10% of his shares. That was at least the news story. Uh Uh-uh. What they're doing is they're heading to a destination, and the story is the excuse. We'll circle back to Tesla later. There's a sneak peek, 933. Nice trade for those that took Tesla. Apparently, we had the numbers. Here's one for the SPY, 934. Aggressive traders can take a short scalp trade at 470.25, give or take. Candle closes above 470.65, that was the former high, means it's wrong. Small risk reward. Now, let's get our faculties here. Right of the vertical is today's activity. This is a five-minute SPY chart. The line you see is not at that number. The only reason you see a line is because it's a nickel below that number. 470.25, give or take, was the number on the board. In the second five-minute candle, they went up to a high of 470.23, and that was it for the day. Aggressive traders can take a short scalp at 470.25, give or take. Now, we don't know that that's going to be the high of day at the time, but that was what we call overhead resistance. Overhead resistance is a place where price shouldn't just waltz right through, whistle past the graveyard, they're going to run into another group of people, they're called sellers. That is, by definition, the overhead resistance. We're moving along. Traders that took the short in front of 470.25 by a little should take profit along the way. Traders that were waiting for higher, like me, I didn't get in that trade. I was waiting for a spike above it. The trade is over from a scalp trade perspective. Anyone already short can hold a trailer for the never know. So either way, no matter how much a trader held, those that ran in front of my number were paid. And then somebody would say, well, why would somebody run in front of the number? I say give or take. Some traders have FOMO. They don't want to miss the trade regardless of what I say, how I say it, how many times I say it. They're afraid to miss the trade. They're jumping in a nickel in front, a dime in front. Either way, they're jumping in front. And on this particular occasion, they were paid accordingly. We're moving along. Now you had a gap down below left open from Friday. So 470.23, which was the high at the time, and it was the high, and the gap down below 468.50, in between is basically a chop shop formation. Above the high stuff happens, around the gap stuff happens, and then the market went into that sleeper grinding chop shop formation mode. They creeped into the gap, they bounced around, they didn't really do anything, shall we say, sexy for the rest of the day. But what we'll do is scroll up, let you read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. There's stuff going on. I just don't want to bore you with the details. Those that are uber interested will read the notes. They'll go back to the chart and double check the work. Now we're going to take a look at two stocks that hit their price targets or entry objectives, Peloton and Tesla. Merck did not and ADS did not. Those hit somebody else's numbers. They're off the board. Peloton, as you can see, kind of hung around the numbers all day long. What really happened early in the morning was it came close, bounced away, 
Some traders may have taken it, some not. Came into the second number, bounced back toward the first, back to the first later, back to the first later again. So it never really did anything sexy, but it did the deal from the second number. The first number technically was off the table. No harm, no foul. Either way, whichever a trader chose to play or not to play Peloton, there was no harm, no foul. There was some money to be made trading Peloton during the trading day. Now, Tesla was a different situation. Two numbers on the board. They seem far apart, but they're not really. 1145 was one. 1128 was another. They never got to the second. They spiked through the first in the first couple of minutes of the day, and then they immediately turned around and started going back up north in the other direction. They went as high as 1197 up here, and then basically went sideways in a chop shop formation for the rest of the day. Traders could have gotten any sliver of $52 along the way that they chose to take profit on. $52 was the total gain from entry to the high made at a 10.25 a.m., 11.97. Like we said, stocks are headed to a destination. Once they get to the destination, one of two things will happen. A, they'll either hang out for a cup of coffee because the ultimate destination is elsewhere, or they're going to turn around and go back in the other direction. Somebody may say the third is what happens if they blow through it like a hot knife through butter. And the answer is that wasn't the destination. Then I was wrong. What's going on over in Camp IWM? We have a runaway. They're not going to run away forever. They're going to pull back. They'll go sideways. They'll go back and forth. That's the way markets work. They ebb and flow, but we do have a breakout situation. Last week, the IWM officially broke out, and guess what? As long as they stay above this area here, they remain in a breakout situation. So here's Trade School 101. At some point, they're going to stall out. At some point, they're going to run into overhead resistance. Tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, whenever it may be, they're going to start to pull back. As much as they pull back, or as little as they pull back, if in fact they pull back, or when they pull back, to this line, or in the vicinity of this line, that will be a make-it-or-break-it situation for the IWM. If they get back inside or below that line, on a weekly close, daily closes first, that would be trouble for the bull case for a further breakout. However, if all they do is come back to run a test, it's called a back test, If they do that and they stay above, then that's a bullish sign and there's likely another leg higher coming. Either way, there's a trade in there. What about the folks down at the transportation department? We have that skewed index syndrome. All of a sudden, the transportation index looks exactly the same as Avis budget, a very small component of a very large index. So until that clears up, we're not going to really pay too much attention to the transportation index by itself. But we have a backup plan. The IYT seems to be just fine in terms of the look, the feel, the way it traded. It didn't really get affected when car went bananas, so therefore we'll use the IYT for the foreseeable future. The IYT monthly chart, where are we? How about a breakdown candle? How about a breakdown candle high? About 278, where are we? Slightly above that. Where are we going to close November? There's a lot of time left in November. Just saying, it's interesting, by the end of the month, whether they're breaking out 
or all they did was run a test in the vicinity of or at double top. It's just something to keep your eye on. Here's a snapshot of the weekly chart. You can see they're running a test of the old highs. They're above all the moving averages. There's no reason they have to fail at the former high right now. However, if they do, then it's likely that the rest of the market is doing what we said in terms of time is more important than price. We're getting close to that point in time where the market should be running out of gas. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people? So they got to the big fat round number of 400. They did that on Friday. The high was 400.99. And now they're basically pulling back from 400. Do we call this a rejection from 400? Not so fast. They're pulling back a couple of bucks away from a big fat round number after a tremendous run where they were at, what was the low here? 350 on the 4th of October. So that was a month ago. You could see where I'm going with this. Does the term too far, too fast mean anything? The answer is it does mean something, but there's no measurement for too far, too fast. How about the hourly chart? We get a clue from there. How about we get a breakdown candle? We get eating time off the clock inside that candle, and I recognize there's a candle inside of a candle. So we have to be aware that here you have a breakup candle inside of a breakdown candle. The dominant one is the breakdown candle until you close above the high of it. And therefore, if this is what they're doing, maybe they do this and test the high, but until they break above the high, then this is generally speaking going to release that energy in the southern direction. Here's a breakup candle low. What's the number there? And we'll give you the number. We're doing this in real time, folks. The low is 393.92. Also makes perfectly good sense that it's also the low of the daily chart candle. And if over the next day or so, they were running a test of that price or the gap that's found just below from the day prior, closer to 393, that would be an area of garden variety support for the Q people. What about the financials? Couple of interesting things going on with the financials. So number one, they came in to run a test of the 20 period moving average. They stay above. That's not really interesting. That's just information. But why did they top out? This is a weekly chart. Why did they top out the week before last? Well, the S&P 500 hasn't necessarily topped out yet. The Qs, from a weekly chart perspective, haven't really topped out yet. The transports are approaching double top. They've approached. They're thinking about double top. The Dow hasn't made a top, but the financials have made a top, not last week, but the week before. Now, granted, they're above all the moving averages. They're near the all-time high. So I'm not saying we read into this too much. All I'm saying is that that jumped off the page because it's an anomaly. It's not the same as the other stuff. When I look at all charts, I look for things that jump off the page. Well, one of the things that would jump off the page would be something of a sector within the S&P where the chart looks different than the S&P. That's what we have here. As a compare and contrast type of situation, how about the XRT breaking out? How about the EEM, which isn't a sector of the S&P. I just happened to click on it. We're looking at it and check it out below the 50 and 20 period moving average on the weekly chart. The monthly chart topped out all the way back in February. Are they coming back in to run a test of the 20 week or 20 month moving average? 
or is this a failed breakout similar to what we just discussed before on a different chart? You can see, first they came back in to run a test of the former high, they started back up, and then they got below the former high, so to me, that's a negative sign. Is the EEM, or emerging markets, trying to tell us something foreseeing into the future? We don't know. Or is it a divergence where they're going to catch up to us making new highs later? It looks similar to the IWM from a monthly chart perspective. Are they going to then go back up and break out later? It's an open question. If I was a EEM analyst, I would say since they're below the former high, that's a bearish signal until they're back above. That would be my line in the sand. That's my longer-term benchmark. I didn't even anticipate doing the EEM. I just happened to click on it by accident, so why not? We were looking at sectors within the S&P that have already topped out or haven't topped out yet, at least from a short-term perspective. And here, you see the weekly chart. This week doesn't count. It's just Monday. We haven't necessarily made a top from a weekly chart perspective in consumer discretionary. What about energy? Energy's hanging around. Maybe it's a tweener. Maybe they topped out a couple of weeks ago. Maybe they didn't. They're hanging around. Healthcare made a top a long time ago. Maybe a lower high. However, above all the moving averages on the weekly chart, on the monthly chart, and the daily chart, so technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with this chart in terms of the healthcare sector. So when we look around the horn at some of the other sectors, We don't really find anything glaring us back in the face in terms of making a top, not making a top. But what we do find is it's interesting. I note it. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. The XLF isn't making new highs with the market. It already did it. Why is it behind? Why is there a divergence? Or maybe it's ahead. Depends on how you want to look at it. About Smash Mouth breaking out, has broken out, continues to break out. It's, again, it's too far from home base. They're going to pull back. Do they start pulling back tomorrow? Do they start pulling back Wednesday or Thursday from what price? That's the situation we're in with the SMH. You don't know exactly how high it's going to go, but what we do know is they're going to have to correct this redonkulous position. I had a request to cover the TLT or the bond market. We'll do a snapshot on this today. The bond market is its own animal. My belief is we're going to see much higher interest rates over a very long period of time. Obviously, like any other market, it ebbs and flows. But my belief is we've seen what's called a generational low in interest rates. Contrast to that is a generational high in interest rates, which was in the 70s, the 1970s, into the 80s. Then Paul Volcker, the then chair of the Federal Reserve, raised interest rates, broke the back of inflation. It was painful for a lot of people across the board at the time. However, it worked. Interest rates came down, inflation came down, and he'll be forever known as the Fed chairman that broke the back of inflation. But that time frame was a generational high in interest rates, low in the price of bonds. We've seen the opposite, and even if we haven't, How much higher can bonds go or how much lower can interest rates go even if we have lower to go? So therefore, we're in the midst of or have already seen a generational low in interest rates. So therefore, what does that mean for the price of TLT? 
it means longer term, the price of TLT will be going lower. What about the short term? What happens if it goes higher in the short term? Well, right here, you can see it's pretty obvious that there's a lot of resistance in this 151 to 150, wherever this top is here, 153. What's this pivot top or this high? 152.71. So in this zone, as the TLT creeps up into this zone, you have a breakdown candle. The high is 151.79. So say between 151 and 153, there's a lot of overhead resistance. What happens if you got up there, let's just say within the next week or so? Well, then the TLT would all of a sudden look like it's on time. Where do you find that kind of information? In the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. Time is more important than price. Daily chart, we just look at the daily chart and compare against what we just found on the weekly chart. Here's a breakdown candle high, 150.45. It's important. Pivot high, 151.79. We talked about that. Here's another high breakdown candle, 152.71. Maybe that was the number we just talked about. And therefore, that's the 151 to 153 in the TLT. On the daily chart, you're above all the moving averages, so it's not a bearish picture in the short run. They're still edging higher or are going to eat time off the clock. Where does that change? Well, the first thing that changes is getting below Friday's low. That low is 148.13. You get below Friday's low, it opens the door to fill the gap. You're filling the gap. All of a sudden, you're into the moving averages. And now the picture has changed. The story has changed. Maybe they did hit resistance and aren't going any higher. You have to see it day by day and make the assessment day by day. We take the market at face value, regardless of whatever chart we're looking at. All charts act and react the same way. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.